Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at I recently read a letter that a, a young kid wrote to God. It was something like this. Dear God, it's Kevin. Uh, you know how good I've been over the last year. And then he stopped realizing that God knows everything about him. He started draft number two. He says, dear God, it's Kevin. You know how good I've been over the last week. Realizing that too was a major exaggeration, he decided to give it another try. Draft three. Dear God, Kevin here, you know I've been good over the last 24 hours. Frustrated by the reality of his failures, he watered up that paper, threw it away. He got it from his desk, went over to the family Christmas nativity scene where there was figures of baby Jesus and some animals, and he took Mary, he went back to his chair, to his desk, and he tried draft number four. And this time he wrote, Dear God, this is Kevin. If you ever want to see your mother alive again, you'll heed my following demands. <laughs> Kevin. And aren't you glad this morning that letters like this are unnecessary? We don't have to threaten or persuade God to demonstrate his kindness and his love and his compassion towards any of us. His response is not based on our efforts and our actions that have been accumulated over the course of a given year. How many are grateful that God doesn't keep a naughty and nice list? That's like Santa Claus business. That's not King Jesus business. God's response towards us today is from his character. It's from his volition. It's from his, his love. And I'm going to talk about that today. But it's interesting. I want us to know that during like this time of year, how many people struggle in, to deal with heightened levels of not only insecurity, but stress, anxiety, and, and even, even loneliness and, and depression. Which when thinking about the Christmas story, it seems a paradox because when you look at Luke chapter two and you read about the message the angels deliver to the shepherds. They say, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Bring you good news of great joy for all people. Unfortunately, there's a significant number of people that aren't acquainted, haven't experienced the good news and the great joy. And perhaps they believe that good news and great joy will come about after they attend and get all their list Christmas done, all the to-dos of the holidays done, or maybe the great joy and good news will come when they open up that present that they received and it's, come on, that Red Rider BB gun. Or maybe good news and great joy comes from attending the company party, receiving the bonus of the year. Maybe good news and great joy comes after you get through the struggle and the the hardship that maybe you're presently in. Maybe after the hardship, that's when good news and great joy come. However, I think it's really important for us to realize 
that great joy and that this good news, the ability to receive it is exclusively wrapped up in Jesus. Because once the Christmas festivities, especially that which is a little more commercialized, once that dies down, once the lights are turned off, once the carolers stop singing, once the presents are unwrapped and received, once the carb loads are done with, which I, I, I like anyone, I, I like all those. I like the lights up. I like lights up, but I really don't like taking the lights down. Anyone out there? I took down our Christmas lights in January. No, in July, a different J. In July. January is acceptable, July. And I, I took them down with less detail than I put them up. You know what I'm saying? I took them down by grabbing one end of the cord and just ripping it off the gable. <laughs> the, the, the thrill of it was over. You know, and you, you open up your, your, your presence and it's there for a moment, it's over. You, you anticipate, oh, this year is gonna be so exceptional. We're gonna go to this part, we're gonna do this thing, we're gonna take place in this. And what we find is that the, the thrill is gone if that's all we put our hope in. But there's a promise today. And this is what the Christmas message is all about. The Christmas message is not wrapped up in what you get or even what you give, it's, represent, it's wrapped up in a person. And his, his name is Jesus. And in John chapter one is, is, was just read, I'm gonna read it in the message. It, it, says, it says it like this, it's from the very first day we were there, taking it all in. We heard it with our ears, we saw it with our eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen, John says. And now we're telling you in the most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. The experience of communion with the Father, his Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing you is this. We want you to enjoy this too. Let your joy double our joy. Titus chapter three, verses four and five, four through seven says, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, when you consider passages like 1 John chapter 1, when you consider passages like Titus that we just read, when you consider the Gospel John, John chapter 1, same writer, where we see in verse 14 in the message it says that the word, it became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. When you look at these passages, you, you realize they do something that the gospel of Luke and Matthew don't do. Luke and Matthew, especially Matthew chapter one and two and Luke chapter two, they tell us of all the events that surround this Christmas story. So there's characters on display. There's the, the, the stars in the heavens. There's angel choirs. There's Mary. There's Joseph. There's this manger. There's, 
there's animals and you get the, the feel of what the events and the atmosphere and the mood of was of the day. But what John does and writers like Titus, what they're doing is they're giving us the meaning behind the event. So they're, they're telling us what's actually happening in the midst of all of that. And that's my, that's my job today. My job today is to help us think a little more clear about what Christmas means. It's to help increase maybe any ambiguity and bring in some clarity to the vision of what Christmas really means. Why? Because we have seven days, people. Like from this day to next Sunday, we have seven days as we get ready to come back with four services and celebrates the good news of what God has done for you and I and for all the creation here on on Christmas Eve. So I'm gonna give you five things. So if you're, if you're a note taker, you can write these five things down. And my challenge is throughout the week, uh, let them be a challenge to you in helping reshape and rethink Christmas moments experience. Because I'll tell you this, if you arrive at Christmas Eve anxious and depressed and overwhelmed and tired and irritable, then I'll tell you this, you haven't understood what Christmas is all about. So my challenge for all of us, because we have, we have a world that tries to pack us in and overwhelm us with all those things. But as Christmas people, we're called to live a different standard and to see the, what God's doing in the world around us a little bit differently. So my goal is that on Christmas Eve, we're gonna be filled with joy. We're gonna be overwhelmed by the peace of God. We're not gonna be, come on, moody or irritable that Christmas day is families and friends gather, that we're going to be just a beautiful expression as recipients of this beautiful gift of grace that God has given to us, his, his very life. And so point number one, what does Christmas mean? Christmas means salvation by grace. So there's no need to go to the nativity scene and take the mother Mary, Virgin Mary hostage and then write a threatening letter to God. That won't move anything in your life. Notice what John, what he, how he talks about and describes Jesus, both in his first letter, first John, and also the gospel. He describes Jesus as being the word. John chapter one says he was in the beginning with God. He's, he is God was God. He's, they're, they're interconnected. He talks about the Trinity. John talks more about the Trinity than any other gospel writer. He's saying that Jesus is the very word, the word of life with the Father from the beginning. He just doesn't give life or have life. He is life. And he even, he even claims this himself in John chapter 14, when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. What does that mean for us today? Well, that means that it's just not about getting lucky and fortunate enough for God to give you some life. It's, it's when you have him, when you're around him, when you've received him, what, what are you receiving? You're receiving life for eternity, life eternal. The very person, the very, uh, the, 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 the God himself, the God man is the God who gives life and he gives it in abundance. Well, Christianity doesn't tell us. Christianity doesn't say, hey, it's all about how to live better, work harder, achieve more, so that hopefully you can attain salvation by works alone, through fear alone, through self alone. I think if it was up to us, you gotta be honest, we would be in trouble. If life was just left up to us, we would be miserable humans. 
we would be characterized perpetually by fear and insecurity because we'd feel, we'd know that we're not doing enough, that we're not good enough, that we haven't completed enough. Or the opposite, we'd be so riddled with pride and puffed with pride because we have this, uh, this, this arrogant mindset that would say, no, we, we have done enough. We are good enough, which then would cause us to look at other people in a way that they're under the bar, that they're not measuring up. Left to ourselves, we would be, come on, some really, really nasty people. Jeremiah 17 says, the, the heart is hopelessly dark and dis- deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. It's John Edwards who said, we're corrupt, not just in some generic way, but we are corrupt to a desperate degree. See, what Christianity is, it's this. Christianity has everything to do with God showing up to save us, to do for us what we could not do by ourselves. And this is where John in the gospel there, as we read, John, is, he's testifying, he says, listen, I've, I've seen, I've heard. This is an eyewitness account that this Messiah, this Christ is the real deal. Timothy Keller said this, he goes, if Christmas is false, then uh, if Christmas is false, then you are all alone. But if Christmas, and it is, is true, then you can be saved by grace. What does Christmas mean? Christmas means salvation by grace. It means that you have been saved, not by yourself, but as Paul says, it's been through Salvation comes through grace alone, through faith alone. Come on, in, in what? In Christ alone. Today, presently here, those attending, those listening online, I'm telling you that Christmas means more than the packings arriving at your door. It means that you don't have to work yourself up to a position to where God accepts you and receives you. The Christmas story is all about God accepting you right where you're at and loving you enough to not leave you right where you're at. Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. Number two, Christmas means fellowship with God. The gift of God not only brings salvation to us, but it brings us into a restored and renewed relationship with God himself. Shame and guilt, they have this funny way of driving relationships apart rather than bringing them together. Adam and Eve are like the greatest example of this. Those who in their, in their making, as, as God brought them together, they have this just unpolluted relationship with, with Yahweh, with, with the Father. And they're walking with God, it says, in the cool of the day. It means they're in relationship, they're... They're, they're, they're worshiping, there is conversation, there's dialogue. It's just not this hope that the creator is listening to us out there somewhere, but he's present with them. And they go from that experience, they trespass because of their obedience, disobedience and sin. Define, they define for themselves what's best for them. And in doing so, they step over what God has laid out for them. This is what sin does in our life. And what happens, they... They go from walking with God to playing a game of hide and seek. They hide from him. They, they, sin, shame, it separates us from God. 
And what the Christmas story, what it means is that it means that God is bridging once again that which has been gapped because of sin. He's bridging the gap and he does it with his very life so that you and I can be in renewed relationship and fellowship with the Savior. Limited by the shortness of time that the enemy of God has, the enemy works overtime to do anything that he can to, to limit uh, the relationship that we have. He's, he's threatened by it. And this is one of our greatest defenses today. Our greatest defense today is knowing this, that our relationship with God threatens the enemy. So if you want to put it to the enemy in your life and your family relationship, it's not about swinging at the air. It's not about uh, doing this, that, or the other. It's simply about drawing close to God and the promises he draws near to you. The relationship alone is a major threat and a defense and both an offense against the strategies and the plans of the enemy. See, you and I were created, we're designed to love, we're designed to know and to be known by God. And what sin had separate, we see that through the life and through the beauty of the gift that God gives us, he restores us based on the life and the death and the resurrection of King Jesus. From beginning to the end, from birth to resurrection, the story of what Jesus means to us is a complete redemption story. And it's just not enough just to believe and obey and follow a list of to do's and don'ts, which unfortunately many, many people approach Christianity like that. And that couldn't be further from the truth. This relationship has everything, this, this, this belief has everything to do with relationship. That God has gone to infinite lengths to be with you and I, to be with us for the reason of a fellowship. From a lonely major to a Roman cross Galatians 4 says, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a one, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as, as sons. What does God do? God humbles himself so that the work of reconciliation could manifest in not just some of our lives, but in all of our lives. And what does Christmas do? It challenges us to get close to God. In these next seven days, how we can take full advantage of the season we're in is allow the next seven, every day, these next seven days, this next week, spend time in worship, spend time, instead of giving your mind to the stresses of the world, consider what God has done for you, consider how much he cares for you, consider how he's restored relationship with you and let him lead us into this, this celebration. Christmas means that God is with us. Matthew chapter one, verse 23. says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means what? Isaiah says, it means God with us. It means that God wants to be with us. It doesn't mean that he has to be with us. Hear me now. Have you ever been around someone that's, um, the feeling is like, I just feel like they don't wanna be around me. Have you ever been in one of those moments where like, ah, they're looking over my head. They're not really interested in me. How that makes you feel, is, it's not that exciting. It's a completely different story when you are around someone who actually wants to be 
in your presence. They're eye contact. They're asking you a lot of questions. It's not a one-way conversation. It's questions back and forth. There is this, this mutual respect and there's this mutual understanding that we want to be in this relationship together, something completely different. That's what God is towards us. This isn't, I have to be with those people that drive me nuts. <laughs> They're always screwing up. It has nothing to do with that. It's, it's why we were at our worst, as Rob even spoke about this in transition. Why are we still sinners? He didn't have to. He chose to come and to restore that which was broken. That's what's been separated by, by sin. So number, number two is that Christmas means fellowship with God. Number three, Christmas means God loves you. It means God absolutely loves you more than you could ever imagine, more than you could exaggerate, more than you could even think of. There's not enough time in the day, seconds in the minute, minutes in the hour, hours in the day, days in the year that could uh, adequately give you enough time to consider how much God loves you. There was a biophysicist who, who, who said that love is, is nothing more than the behavior of nerve cells molecules, it's nothing more than a chemical response in the brain. Now, if this was the only world that there was, if our story ends at our death, then that person would be, would be spot on. But Christmas tells us a different story. It proves that love preexisted the world, that love created the world, and it proves that love has and is redeeming the world. You look at the gospel of John, you, you, you see and consider how the Trinity, the Godhead is working together, that the world, every molecule, every plant that was spoken into being, every animal from, from dirt to atoms to the grass plant life to animal life to human, all of us are what? We're products of the love of God. Today, regardless what is broke in you, regardless what's absent in you, regardless what you feel like this needs replaced in you, regardless what you feel like is missing in you, you have to understand this, that you are a direct target of the love of the Father. A direct target of the love of the Father. How you're wired. Even the struggle you go through. Do you know that your struggle collectively together, all of our struggles together, does not make God flinch for a moment. It doesn't make him reconsider what he's done. How do we know this? Well, because we read scripture and we realize that this is our life. The, the, the brevity that we have, the shortness of time is all a beautiful gift. Are there struggles? Yeah, absolutely. Is there difficulty? If some people even today experience loss. Some people today experience hardship. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the good news that comes from the Christmas message uh, is that God loves you all the way through and that his love for you, it will cover everything and anything that's needed within, within your life. Why did God come to earth? You ever thought about that? Why did he come to be seen and to be heard and to be identified and to, to be to touched and to, to be witnessed. Well, he came and he brought himself into this earth because he absolutely loves us. I thought about this message. I thought, you know, I just sometimes, I just assume people know the Christmas story. And I, 
I'm wrong with the assumption. And that, that's why I think this is it's so important. You, you have to know that regardless of what you open or don't open this, this year, regardless of who you spend it with or who you don't spend it with, there is a God in heaven who's made his way wrapped in human flesh. Both God and man is coming to our world, coming to our place so that we can be loved, so that we can be treasures, so that we can be renewed in relationship, so that we can be saved from sin, so that we can be brought into this beautiful relationship with him. Number four, what does Christmas mean? Number four, it means that you are not forgotten. Think about this, the myriad of angels, they go to announce that the king in infant form has arrived. And who are the recipients? The recipients are, are shepherds. And they give the announcement of the king that is being born, the king that's here. And then they break out into this heavenly choir. But it's interesting who, they, who, who the message came to. Like the highest message, the greatest message that the world has ever known or ever will know comes initially to the lowest of people groups. Shepherds, Bethlehem shepherds. They, they were not high on social ladders. They were very low on the social ladders. They're like one rung on the ladder above someone who had leprosy. They're at the bottom of both the social and the financial pile, outcast of a society. And can think about it and consider what that news brought to them. For them, they thought of a new king who would rescue Israel from her misery and establish his reign of justice and shalom, peace on earth. This was indeed what the angels had said to them. This was good news of great joy. The least and the unlikely were the first recipients that received this message. It wasn't, it wasn't power brokers. It wasn't government authorities. It wasn't emperors. It wasn't people of clout, of high social status. It wasn't people who were abundantly wealthy. No, it, it came to the least and the unlikely God delivers this inside news of what was gonna come, that he's coming, he's entered our world to turn it upside down. There is a new king that is on the throne and in charge. And to them, that news was life and world altering. And this is what Christmas is all about. It's about God finding us. It's about bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And history shows that he didn't go about it based on the expectations of persons and people and powers, but he did it in an upside down way. His rescue mission began with an, as an infant, a teenage mom in less desirable conditions. God enters our world with a gift that overshadows everything else. And he arrives first to the least and the unlikely to, live, to deliver this message of hope that they're part of the story. They're part of the advancement of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And by sending his gift at Christmas, God was putting into motion his plan for our rescue, happiness, or forgiveness and redemption. And through the way of Jesus, he would ultimately pay for, for our debt and make way for reconciliation to take place. So my challenge for you as we lead into this Christmas Eve week, the start, the first day of this week, is to be encouraged. It's if you feel like you're lost today, if you feel like you've been overlooked, if you feel like you've been forgotten, know this, that God knows right where you're at and he has everything in need. He has everything prepared 
to bring breakthrough, to bring hope, to bring encouragement, to anything that's fractured, bring repair. If you're struggling your body today, this is the God who heals, not when he wants to, but he heals all the time. This is, he even calls himself, he is himself. I love it. He takes on the, the title of the least and the unlikely. He calls himself the good shepherd. The good shepherd comes to you and he knows where you're at and he has the ability and he has the willingness, he has the motivation based on his love to work in you what you couldn't work in yourself. We serve a God who is the God who works miracles. He takes the impossible, somebody's got, you're hearing, he takes the impossibilities of your life, whatever you're facing, and he's the God who makes a way. Breakthrough, hope, healing. And lastly, number five, you guys, I'll be done in five minutes. And if you don't believe me, first service will prove it. So rewind the tape. Christmas means this. Christmas means future hope. Christmas signifies the beginning of good news and great joy. And it's impossible to accurately think about the real meaning of Christmas without considering Easter. Because with Without Christmas, we would have no Easter. But without Easter, our Christmas would just be the memory of a birth. But that birth would have a gravestone attached to it. And that would be the end of, of our story. I think it's important that we connect both Easter and the broader storyline of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection to what we celebrate this week, that Christmas is not just an isolated event during December. And I think this is the issue for many people. If we view it as just an isolated event during the months of December, then when we overlook what the largest story is, we get disappointed. And so it's no wonder people leave Christmas thinking, well, that didn't do for me what I thought it was going to do for me this year. Well, there's always next year. Uh, and that tells me that we only are taking part of the story, but we're not putting it to the the big full picture. Christmas has everything to do with the redemptive plan of God. N.T. Wright says the birth narratives remain important because they're the beginning of the story that ends with Jesus' death and resurrection. It's likely that these events not occurred, that there would be no need to celebrate Jesus' birthday if he died a normal death and he remained in the tomb. But because of the achievements of Jesus, we know this, that you and I have Assurance today, the fact that our hope is unshakable and it is secure. This God in flesh is indeed the Lord of the world, defeating the, his enemies through his death and rising to rule and rescue the whole of creation. The arrival of Jesus into the world offers us a clear and real hope that everything wrong in this world will be made right in the end. And we are in the process of this heavenly activity. That's what Pastor Chris talks about. It's the, the already, not yet. It's, God's already worked. He's already put the activity and the mission in motion. He's the God who stands outside of time and space. So end and beginning are the same to him. He considers it all. He knows it all. And we're in that really important place, right in the middle. Sometimes the middle is the hardest place to be because there's a fight and there's struggle. But my encouragement to you is to not lose heart. Do what Paul encourages us to do, to not grow weary in the process of doing well. 
doing good in, in the process of time, in the stages of life, whether in comfort or in affliction, continue to put your hope and your trust in God. Because it has more to do, way more to do with what we really look at on a regular basis. It has everything to do with a God who radically loves you, a God who is, even in Matthew chapter one, as I read 23, proves that he's here with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Right here, right in this moment, at 12.03, on a Sunday afternoon, God is right next to you. He's all around you. He knows the thoughts of your life. He knows the struggles of your life. He knows the difficulties, and he's not overwhelmed by it. Rather, he can't wait. He can't wait for you to open your heart and just to believe just a little bit more. Open your eyes just to see all the goodness of God right in front of you, all around you. St. Augustine says, rejoice, you just. It's the birthday of the justifier. Rejoice, you who are weak and sick. It's the birthday of the savior, the healer. Rejoice, captives. It's the birthday of the redeemer. Rejoice, slave. It's the birthday of the one who makes you lords. Rejoice, free people. It's the birthday of the one who makes you free. Rejoice, all Christians. It's the birthday of Christ. In conclusion, I just challenge us. The, the Christmas story, it's about five things and a, a, a whole lot more, but it's about salvation by grace, not by works. It's about God coming to our world and restoring fellowship, not with some of us, but with all of us. It's about his love being directed, that we're the target of the king of creation's love for us. It's about his rescue mission. It's about knowing today that you have never been forgotten by King Jesus. Psalm 139, the writer proves it. His thoughts towards you, they outnumber of the sand on any given seashore, piled together. They didn't even come close to the thoughts God has for you every moment of your life. And lastly, number five, Christmas is about a secured hope that God is making all things all things new. So we have responsibility as Christmas people, we're Easter people and we're Christmas people. It's all one beautiful package. And we have a responsibility in our day-to-day -day living that because we know this news, because we know what Christmas is, we, we have the responsibility, we have to live this out. And so my challenge for us even this week is ask God, God, show me, help me in how I live this out. These, these five things that we've talked about. How do I show people in my family? How, how, how do I pray that lines up with what Christmas really means? How do I worship that lines up with what Christmas really means? How do I give which lines up with what Christmas really means? How, how do I show kindness and love and care for people that are strangers to me, neighbors, coworkers, et cetera? The responsibility that was given to, I love it, the shepherds. It didn't stay with the shepherds. You look, you do a whole study of scripture. You see that from shepherds, we see that there, there's these Gentiles, right? So you see people that, that, that came and they witnessed the, the birth. They witnessed the life of Jesus. You see that it moved from both the Jewish communities to Gentiles. It moved to the, the, the known globe to where people received this gift that changed their life for eternity. N.T. Wright says that the angels sang that song only one time. It wasn't a repeat. I know what's going into Christmas Eve. You don't want to miss it. You'll get a taste of it today. We have some ladies that are going to be singing us a song. 
A lot of details goes into it. Harmony is just, you know, they take some work. Think about the Christmas choir. Think about heaven's choir. It's about ready, just say, are you guys ready? Okay, on my cue. And you know, and they cue you in, and a one, and a two, and here we go. And the whole heavenly choir breaks out in song after the announcement of King Jesus. And they only did it once. Why? Well, because they think there's a continuation that God puts on us. It's you and I are gonna be singing, our lives sing the songs of what they sang on that evening. And it's gone for, for centuries and centuries and centuries. And so you get in a hold of what Christmas really means. Woo, you, you're participating in a heavenly harmony. And you get around people that are downcast and low and they don't know the hope that you, you have, that you know. And so then you were given the opportunity to share that hope with them. And what happens? The story and the effects, the influence of the story continues from generation to generation to generation. This song that we're gonna sing, this is how we're gonna conclude this part of the service because I made it a, a brief message. It's this. This is one of my favorite Christmas hymns. This is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God's with us. I love this hymn. Looking back and reading through the history behind the hymn, it was originally written in Latin. It's 1,200 years old. Monasteries in the eighth and ninth century, they would sing this hymn together seven days before Christmas Eve. It's an, a, a song of anticipation. It's a song of expecting that what God has done, he's continuing to do. I think if we're not careful, we lose that heart of expectation. We get jaded. We allow our hearts to kind of get rigid and we don't believe like we should. I think the Holy Spirit today has given us permission to believe anew today, to anticipate the great things of God, not just for the person sitting next to you, yes, then, but also your life. What have you given up on? What, what have you loosened up on when it comes to leaning in and actually believing and praying and contending for? I think this is what this song and this is what the Christmas message is all about. It gives you permission to lean in with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your whole person, that the God you serve is a God who loves you, who's radically obsessed about you and has moved heaven and earth to be with you. There's seven verses in the song. There's, they call them the, the seven great O's. And there's then the refrain, which in between each verse, it'll say, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. And as you look through, and I don't know Latin, but as, as you look through and read this in Latin, you see that the second word of each verse, that first letter, it spells in Latin, it says, O wisdom, which is, has a Latin word for it, which starts with an S. The next one is O Adonai, which is God. Then you see O Jesse, Radix Jesse, which is the stem of the root of Jesse. O key of David, which is Latin word that starts with the C. O day spring, O king of the Gentiles. That one got me the other day. I had this blaring in the car. And when I got to the, that we serve the God who's the king of the Gentiles. Just think about people who are lost and who are separated from this relationship with God. And it just got me, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who you are, Emmanuel. You're the God who is with the Gentiles. You're the one who is with those who don't yet know you. You draw close. And so it, it forms this, it forms this acrostic, S-A-R-C-O-R-E. But it's said that when this two word acrostic is 
is read backwards, it's Aerocross, which means I will be present tomorrow. 1,200 years of participating in this idea. And we know this, that tomorrow's already come, which means God is present today. And so I want, I want you to do this. I, I really do believe this is gonna be a week of miracles, not just for few, but for all of us in some way, some form, that God's gonna work a miracle through you to bless other people, but also God is gonna work a miracle in you to bless you specifically. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever you're in need of, it's relational. If it's you've experienced loss of a loved one and you're moving into this holiday season, it's just, you feel like it's just you, just know that you're not forgotten, that God's with you, that he brings his comfort, his presence of peace, it's his joy that's unspeakable, it's his strength to us, his mercies are fresh, they're new every morning, and his faithfulness, it's, it's great towards us. Whatever you need today, could, could you just stand? I've asked Lindsay to, to lead us in this. And as, you, as, as we stand and she'll lead out, but you can start singing along, we'll have the words up there. Ask God to get ready, ready your heart now to even get you ready, position you for the week ahead and what he wants to do. If you need a miracle, I'm not surprised if he will work a miracle right now in this moment. Let's see what God wants to do. Amen.
for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.